Hello, I'm Mike Baselli, your host for this podcast and the global community rallied around it. During this episode, I spent time with a best-selling author, acclaimed TED speaker, and one of the nation's most influential digital health leaders that is laser-focused on accelerating the adoption of practical, non-partisan fixes to our healthcare system. Dave Chase is the co-founder of Health Rosetta and leads the vision to empower community-owned health plans, which is considered a blueprint for 21st century health benefits. While together, Dave shared his background and storied career and why his experiences led him to become relentlessly passionate in building an ecosystem to replicate healthcare's fixes. Dave also updated us on why he and his team are collaborating with the federal government to bring sensible COVID-19 solutions to the healthcare industry. I can't wait for you to get to know Dave and learn from this brilliant servant leader who is stewarding over 4 million lives through the Health Rosetta community and is continually working to bring healthcare's fixes to all of us across the nation. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Dave, welcome to our podcast and for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be with us today. Looking forward to the chat. Love what you guys are doing out in Colorado. Well, Dave, we certainly have a lot of ground to cover today, and I'm excited to dive in. From your best-selling books to your storied career, and now your mission and work helping lead Health Rosetta. But before we dive into your inspiring work and mission, Dave, a bit of housekeeping. For our audience, while listening to any of our episodes, please make sure to join our free online community at passionatepioneers.com in order to share feedback and ideas with our guests and interact with the global community. Lastly, please subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, Dave, it's almost time to learn how you and your team are helping to empower community-owned health plans health plans that are human-centered and are restoring health, hope, and well-being. But first, let's take a moment to break the ice a bit so our community can get to know you. I'm going to randomly select one of three questions. Let's see what we got here. All right, this one, I'm sure you have lots of things that you do outside of your pioneering work, but what is the one thing that you love to do most outside of your work at Health Rosetta? Really oxygen-fueled mountain sports, you know, whether it's trail running, mountain bike riding, Nordic skiing, backcountry skiing, anything that involves going up and down mountains, you know, fueled by oxygen, I love. You know, here in Colorado during the summer, the downhill mountain biking at the ski resorts is a big thing. There's people from all over the world that come do that. Do you do that kind of adrenaline rush type of you know, activity on the mountains? I do, but I generally believe in biking up and biking down. So I like to suffer on the way up and then you know, have the adrenaline rush on the way down. You have won my heart, Dave. I'm the same way. If you're going to take the, uh, you know, plunge down the hill on a bike, you should go and work it on the way up as well, because it's a heck of a challenge and there's no better feeling to get on the top of the mountain with a mountain bike and then heading downhill as fast as you can. Absolutely. How about skiing? Where do you like to ski? You know, I like skiing everywhere, but, you know, the place that I go the most and where I used to live is Sun Valley, Idaho. You know, I've got a lot of friends there and just great overall package and it's kind of a pain to get to. So you never have any crowds and good terrain. I mean, it's 
you know, if there's a downside, it's the reason they call it Sun Valley is it's sunny a lot. So it doesn't get as much great snow as, you know, you get in Colorado or Utah. But when it does come down, it's great. That's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. I'm definitely a mountain junkie myself, obviously living in Colorado. So big, big fan of the mountain sport. So thanks for sharing that, Dave. And we have a lot to cover today. Again, your storied career, your best-selling books. You come and visit us quite a bit here in Denver, at least uh, pre-COVID when we were able to travel a lot more. Big fan of your work, Dave. But of course, Health Rosetta just didn't pop up one day. It took a lot to get to where you are. Can you give us a little bit of the history lesson, Dave, of how you got to where you are today and leading this movement with Health Rosetta? Take us back a bit and set the stage. Sure. I mean, if you go back, I mean, professionally, I had a background where I started out consulting in hospitals for a big consulting firm. And then I suppose my claim to fame before what I'm doing now was I started Microsoft's healthcare partner ecosystem, you know, about 28,000 partners, about $3 billion year business for them. But the real thing that put me on this path was at a personal level, which was unfortunately by the time I was in my late 30s, I had 10 friends my age or younger die. And obviously that's always a gut punch. But the last one was particularly brutal. You know, it was a friend of mine that had had a similar career trajectory, had done the right things, had had some success. But what happened was essentially a complete system failure. And she was wrecked medically, psychologically, financially, ultimately leaving behind, you know, as a single mother, 10-year-old daughter. And when I looked at that complete system failure, I realized I'd been part of that system. You know, part of what I'd done was, you know, the fancy term for it is revenue cycle consulting, you know, which is really just how do you get as big a bill out as fast as possible. And, you know, the way I was raised, fortunately, I had great parents, was if you see a problem and you don't do anything about it, you're complicit. And I just started asking why a lot. And, you know, given the, the three and a half trillion reasons protecting the status quo, I started studying social movements, you know, including things like civil rights and lead, you know, for green building practices and micro lending and better food. Because I realized the only way that you have a prayer against something as entrenched and well-armed, if you will, as the status quo healthcare system is if you have a very long-term time frame and it's a grassroots bottom-up type thing. And, and that really put me on the path that I am on now. And so when you started thinking about what is now called Health Rosetta, did you find others that were of like mind? How did you find other leaders that really subscribed and believed into what you really just shared just now? Yeah, I mean, it was really, you know, now it's a basically a 10-year scavenger hunt where I was just seeking out what's actually working. I mean, that's at the core of our system change model that we adopted that you know, lifted tens of millions of people out of poverty in India and is remaking a key part of the food system in the U.S., is you find little successes. And the real puzzle and the real challenge is how do you apply a little business know-how, little technology, and some capital to massively replicate? And if you look at why technology really hasn't made the dent that you would think it would have in healthcare, it's because the venture capital model really preys at the altar of scalability. 
And scalability is great for things like Facebook and Uber. And there's little pockets of opportunity in healthcare where it's applicable. But the operative word is replicability. And that's where I think most people get off base. And so it's a very different model there. And that, you know, healthcare is local. And one of the reasons I use the lead as an analogy is the built environment is kind of like healthcare. It's a very local, very entrenched thing. And if you look at how lead with their blueprint really transformed the built environment over a 20-year period, it wasn't an evenly distributed thing day one. There were particular locales, you know, like your Boulders and your Austins and Portlands who were early adopters, and then it massively replicated. And so that really became our focus. And, And through that, and you just say, who's cracked the code? Who's cracked the code? What is the problem? The great news is, We're problem solvers. I mean, people, fundamentally, humans are problem solvers, but Americans are particularly problem solvers. And that's why I call it a scavenger hunt. You you find out, oh, there's this great primary care model. Uh, Anybody else doing that? Oh, yeah, go talk to Rashika. What's going on with IRA Health? And like, anybody else doing that? Oh, Oak Street Health. You know, and, and one thing leads to another and you start to find common threads. And, you know, what we say on our website is both true and aspirational. It's healthcare is fixed. Join us to replicate the fixes. And that's the point. It's not that we're done. <laughs> it's just all of the many problems we have, there's proven solutions. They're just the outlier right now. And so the whole puzzle is to how do you mainstream those? And so that's where I, I've drawn a lot from some of these social movements and then adapted that model into this context. Well, Dave, and that's why I just love your work because you, you flip the paradigm on its head. So many leaders in this industry, you, they just scream from the top of the buildings, healthcare's broken, healthcare's broken. And I'll be the first to raise my hand as well. I've said it, I've said it a lot, but the paradigm shift of you're saying that it is fixed, but let's go and find and replicate those fixes. It's refreshing. I, I got to be honest with you, Dave, but we're going to dive in here in just a moment, really what Health Rosetta is, a little bit of the history of how it started, what you've been finding, where you're going to go in the future. But now here we are in the middle of a pandemic, and we're going to discuss in just a moment what Health Rosetta is doing with the pandemic and and your work thereof. But what has this pandemic, from your perspective and, and the leaders that you get to work alongside with, what has this pandemic really shined a light on in regards to the systemic system that is healthcare? You know, everything seems to be exacerbated across all society, systems, business, otherwise. What has this pandemic done to shine a light on where we are deficient or the structural inefficiencies of healthcare? You know, for a long time, I've said, you know, we're paying Cadillac prices for a Pinto producing healthcare system in terms of outcomes. And we have had a COVIDian rear ending of that Pinto and it's blowing up. And the reality is it is a complete system failure. If you look at how we've undermined public health funding-wise, how we've undermined primary care funding-wise, that made us much more vulnerable and to this day makes us more vulnerable. And so what we need is a new model built on a chassis of proper public health and primary care. And there's the related issues where there's a lot of in the community. I, mean, I was on a webinar earlier today with the Community Foundation in my area, and food insecurity is a huge problem around the country. And I was watching that with my wife, and 
just just kind of puzzled on like how are people hungry you know in this country and i pulled up this graphic and then a bunch of others that one of was it was in the wall street journal about four years ago brookings data and it showed uh you know i think it was 2007 to 2014 uh healthcare costs had gone up and it was looking at middle class and gone up about 25 percent and these people haven't had any wage gains, middle class, working class in 20 years. In fact, it had a decline. So it's got to come out of somewhere. Where does it come out of? Food is one of those things it's come out of as as well as housing and transportation. I mean, very core things. Food's gone down 8% in terms of family spending. And we have the healthcare system to thank for that. Um, So that's really, you know, to, to be very blunt, our healthcare system has made this much worse than it's needed to be. And I think it's now coming into the, the foreground. And meanwhile, we've also made our clinicians, those people on the front lines, you know, protecting us in our most vulnerable moments. It seems that many health systems have focused more on their edifice complex than they have on their safety of the caregivers. Again, that's a system failure. And it's not that you know, basically our social impact metric and our thesis is there's more than enough money sloshing around in healthcare to fully fund the 80% of what drives outcomes beyond the sick care part of the healthcare system. You know, the clean air, clean water, jobs, education, public safety, all those types of things, which uh, essentially have been devastated budget-wise at the state and federal level and local level. Um, so you can tell I've believe pretty strongly in that and back it up with a lot of data. So, you know, we need to get after it. Well, you know, I know it may be hard for a lot of us to see in at this current time, Dave, because of the crisis right in front of us right now with COVID-19, but I'm pretty sure you are a subscriber to what I'm about to say. I always believe in great chaos resides great opportunity. And I also believe that there is a lot of good that's going to come out of this pandemic. For instance, and you know this, we're already seeing massive developments and innovation and moving forward of telehealth in our nation. Do we have a long way to go? Absolutely. But I don't think that the telehealth genie will be pushed back into the bottle. She's out and we're seeing the positive side effects of it now. And I think we'll continue to see more and more of that as we continue to navigate this pandemic. As you know, as well as I do, it's going to be here for a while. So I just hope that through the ashes of of this pandemic, we're going to see quite a few phoenixes rise. Any thoughts there and, and, and your ideas around that? Well, I absolutely agree. I mean, I also believe in the Churchillism, you know, on you can always count on Americans to do the right thing after they've tried everything else. And we've tried everything else. We actually have every flavor of possible healthcare systems, and most of them have failed us. Um, and so this is, I, I think this is something that's sort of like the post-World War II environment, where our healthcare system, our public health are going to be worn out and kind of somewhat in shambles and a rebuilding needs to happen. And what you see in in healthcare is there's a major shift every 50 years or so in our healthcare system and we've been overdue. And so we're not going back to the quote normal. There's going to be a new normal. And as you said, there's lots of things that, you know, what was taking, this is one of my early 
observations uh, was I was looking at what was going on in Italy because my daughter was over there as in a study abroad program. And I was um, heard a colleague that was on a webinar talk about how things that normally were would take 10 years were happening in 10 days. And, you know, you mentioned one of them and there's a number of those things that, um, for example, I've been working on this, what we call primary care Marshall plan. And we're really trying to get primary care out of the fee for service world. And unfortunately, you know, at the time we most need them on the front lines, their, their practices are really under duress, um, financially even more than they were before. And to their credit, CMS realized this and we, um, well, we helped them realize it, the American Academy of Family Physicians and the Texas Academy of Family Physicians and myself and some others. And within two days, they said, we're going to prospectively pay for primary care. This is ridiculous that we're paying it on a piece part after the fact, you know, force the equivalent of a visit to Jiffy Lube through your state farm card. Like that's insanity. Um, unless you like, like paying a 40 percent insurance bureaucracy tax and we and you like doctors spending two hours on bureaucracy for every one hour patient time unless you'd like that we have to change and we're starting to see that well let's talk about the change uh because your work has inspired so many including myself and many of my friends uh we're big fans of yours dave and I lo- let's start with the mission uh, from your site. I love it. And it says, we're building the ecosystem to scale healthcare's fixes. Each of us has seen microcosms of healthcare's fixes in action and believe it's time to scale. Let's dive in. Health Rosetta, you've been at it for a little over five years now. Give us that, k- kind of give us that elevator pitch. Give us the why, what's going on in Health Rosetta. And then we'll talk a little bit about where Health Rosetta is going, especially in these very trying times. So looking forward to unpacking what you've built at Health Rosetta. I mean, the, thank you. The The why is really about how healthcare is stolen the American dream. That was, you know, at the heart of my TED Talk and my book. And the data is very clear and it's, you know, and now we have this uh, particular situation now. And you break that down and really you get at the heart of what we're trying to do right now. It's really relocalizing health uh, by empowering community-owned health plans. And, and if you unpack empowering community-owned health plans, what we have today, one way to do it is the op- look at the opposite. We have disempowering Wall Street rented sick care plans. They're disempowering to the patient, they're disempowering the clinicians, they're disempowering to the purchasers. Um, and you need to really have this ownership mentality. I mean, what's more local than an interaction between a patient and a doctor? Yet, if you look at a county like what I'm in, uh, there's about a quarter million people, you know, all in, spent a little over two and a half billion dollars on healthcare very conservatively. We're extracting a billion out of that two and a half billion, basically going to Wall Street. We're renting these sick care plans that have catastrophically failed on every dimension. You know, I put everything through the quadruple aim filter, you know, aspirationally, but also if you look at historically, you know, we've created a terrible caregiver experience, a terrible patient experience. We've produced, you know, world 
bottom of the heap outcomes in the developed world and we have out of control healthcare costs. So the status quo is catastrophically failed. Um, and so, you know, in terms of what are we going to do about that and what is happening? Um, the great news is we have seen in every corner of the country, rural, urban, public and private employers um, of all sizes, large and small organizations that they didn't just slow the, the growth of healthcare because we've known for at least a decade, according to PwC and Institute of Medicine, we've known that a third or a half of what we spend is waste. And we also know that healthcare isn't expensive. Clinicians are only getting a quarter of every dollar we spend. What's expensive is profiteering and price gouging. And so once you rebuild, I mean, it, it's kind of goofy what we've been doing in healthcare. I, I sometimes, you know, draw that analogy with LEED. I said, LEED didn't say, hey, put recycle bins and polluting, you know, buildings and call them green. Of course, that was a new blueprint. And the new blueprint rose over time, the old waned over time. And much of what passes for innovation in our healthcare systems, the equivalent of putting recycle bins and polluting buildings, and so much of what's going on is paving cow paths and putting lipstick on pigs. And so we just have to do a reset. And it's and we're in this goofy world where we have 12-month cycles for health benefits. That makes no sense. We have 30-year mortgages. We live longer than 30 years. And so once you get out of this kind of tyranny of low expectations, then you have these employers across the, the board who are spending 20, 40, even 55% less with far superior health benefits. Um, and that's, you know, if there's good news in all of this, you know, the last area to modernize inside of our economy is healthcare. So there's a trillion dollar of waste, which means there's more than enough money sloshing around to do, to re, do this reset and really think about the totality of health, not just the sick care part. So let's dive into that. So the reset, and now, of course, as we said earlier, everything is exacerbated, everything's magnified, and there's no better time to start working on that reset than now. Can you discuss a little bit of what that reset means to you, what that reset means to Health Rosetta, and more importantly, how do we get there? You know, everybody says, oh, it's so hard to fix healthcare, it's broken, and it's, it's never going to be changed. How do we reset, Dave? You know, I actually came up with an acrostic that spells local. And it's just five steps, and four of the five steps have no um, potential negative impact on the. They're largely invisible to the plan member, you know that that patient, you know you and me. Um, and the one the 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 one that potentially could, if it's done well, doesn't have an impact. And so, you know, real quick, it's the first L is. Learn how to liberate yourself from the status quo thinking. Most people think not, basically nothing happens without mindset shift. Most people think solving healthcare is like trying to solve Middle East peace. Like they'd like that solved too, but it seems kind of hopeless and out of their control. We disabuse them of the notion because we've got hundreds of success stories now. O is, is optimized plan infrastructure. This is like the super boring stuff. It's only about 15% of spend. But if you don't actually get that infrastructure stuff right, you know, um, proper plan documents and independent oversight and things like that. It's just it's boring stuff. But if you don't do that right, the rest of it isn't 
possible. Um, so, and we've seen folks just in that part uh, without changing anything else, save a thousand dollars per employee per year, just on cleaning the gunk out of these, these plants. The C is carve out PBM, uh, you know, the three big, uh, PBMs that can, you know, have most of the market share are all fortune 50 companies. Most people haven't heard of a PBM and, you know, not to let pharma completely off the hook, but there's not one pure pharma company in the fortune 50. So it just shows you how many shenanigans are going on there. Uh, the A is add value-based primary care. There's no well-functioning healthcare system in the entire world not built on proper primary care. That's actually the first step that the member actually notices, but it's only a positive one because unfortunately, three quarters of America has no real relationship with primary care. And as I said earlier, there's no well-functioning healthcare system in the world not built on proper primary care. And fortunately, you know, in your neck of the woods, Denver's one of the few areas that in the entire metro area, you can actually access great primary care if you choose to. Um, the final step, that second L, is leave behind value extracting PPO networks. That's where the biggest savings are. If you do it right, like a Pacific Steel that four years ago was spending uh, over $8 million on health benefits, um, you know, last year closed out at under three and a half million while benefits improved. That's that was 75% of it. The other 25 was the pharmacy procurement. And so they re, you know, removed all the cost shifting, the cost sharing. Uh, they basically just got rid of profiteering and price gouging. And, you know, what that allows is a 30 year forklift driver who topped out at 45 K a year retiring with a nest egg that was well into seven figures, happened to be an employee stock owned company. So that was easier there. But that's the type of thing that's happening all over the country right now. It's still the exception to the rule. That's our challenge. Um, but it's very doable. And, you know, you can rip off the Band-Aid and do it all in one shot. Some do that. Most take it, you know, a few steps, you know, um, you know, over a few years, typically. And then also, you mentioned just briefly some of the things that uh, Health Rosetta is working on uh, because of the pandemic. Was there anything else to share there, given that we're in the, you know, right in the midst of the pandemic as we speak on this podcast? Was there anything else that you wanted to share about your efforts and the ecosystem, given the juxtaposition of the pandemic? Yes, there is. Thank you. There's, there's what we call primary care Marshall Plan. If you go to healthrosetta.org slash Marshall Plan, you can get the details. And it's basically how do we accelerate the movement to prospective payment while allowing independent primary care practices who are just weeks away from having to shut their doors. They've already had to lay off people. And so we need to get the carriers to step up um, and employers too, for that matter. Um, so that's that's the most direct thing. The other reality that we're facing is uh, you know, I got a memo forward me from the uh, auditor of the state of Ohio sending a memo to the local governments. And local governments are going to take a massive hit um, in terms of tax receipts. And the only way they're going to be able to avoid cutting staff and uh, cutting service or cutting services on a sustained basis is if they actually fix healthcare in their own employee base. And, and that's where, you know, we're seeing when people put these plans in place fully, you know, they can save three to $5,000 a year per employee. You know, you add that up over, you know, a decent, you know, not a huge county, you know, have a thousand people. 
in them. That's a lot of money that they don't have to get by cutting staff or something like that. You know, it's a way that they can really repurpose that money. And so that's that's something that we're doing a lot of outreach around kind of local government, school districts, and so on. And can you repeat that uh, specific URL one more time for our audience? Yes, healthrosetta.org slash Marshall Plan, like the, the Marshall Plan, you know, after World War II. Yep, excellent. Well, thank you for that, Dave. We'll also be including that in the uh, episode notes uh, that can be found over on in the free online community at passionatepioneers.com. Uh, so head over there. There'll be a bunch of uh, contact points that uh, Dave will be listing here shortly over again at passionatepioneers.com. So thank you for that, Dave. I, I do appreciate it. Let's now look a little bit into the future here. You know, usually I'll ask our guests, where do you see your work? Where do you see the industry in the next three to five years. But wow, it's sometimes even now the next three to five days or three to five months. Where do you see things over the next year, over the next six to nine months? Where do you see things heading with your work, with the industry, and with where we are as a nation? Yeah, I mean, a bit of a leading indicator for us, given the world we're in, is we accredit benefits advisors, benefits consultants. Um, You know, I, I wrote a piece in Forbes saying this job could save America. And the point was, it's probably the most underestimated role in the entire U.S. economy, um, for better, for worse. Sadly, it's mostly been for worse historically. Um, employers have taken their advice. Now, the best of them, um, which are the ones we're working with and that have the right models, uh, they're worth their weight in gold and are vastly underpaid. And we we add one cohort a year, sort of like, you know, lead accredited and accredited professionals like architects, well, kind of the architects and, you know, air quotes of health plans are these benefits professionals. And we happen to just had our um, opening for our cohort, about 15% make it through the gauntlet. And we had um, last month uh, close to 500 people that said they wanted to be in the program. It's like, whoa, like, so now we're kind of digging through that. And uh, that's a good indication of what's happening. What we're seeing really accelerate is typically what's driven an employer to change is they'll get some renewal or they just, you know, been fed up with what's been going on with their health benefits. And, you know, we've had people where they're like, oh, my gosh, rates increased 20 percent, you know, two renewals ago. Um 22% last year, and we just got a 50% rate increase. You know, what is going on? We can't afford this. Our people can't afford it. And so those tend to be the people who rip off the band-aid. We're just getting a lot more of that, where people are like, we got to do something. We care about our people. Um, what can we do? We've, we've actually heard you've been saying these things for a while. Now we actually want to pull the trigger. And so I think it's just a lot of acceleration of what we've already been seeing. Um, and, you know, things tend to be on a 12-month cycle. Um, they don't have to be. They probably shouldn't be. But that's typically how health plans work. And so, you know, we'll have open enrollment, uh, you know, in the fall most commonly. And so this summer, there's just a tremendous amount of activity that we're seeing um, because we, we see it even more because we're – Health Rosetta is essentially three things, a framework, this an open source sort of Wikipedia like framework that we publish, an ecosystem, you know, these accredited professionals. And then more recently, um, we added a technology platform. 
So we really, you know, and I, I see the speed of new plans being added. And, you know, in the, in the last quarter, there were 300 new health plans uh, added into the platform. Wow. That people were getting ready to basically transform. It's, it's you know, it's exponential growth. Um, so we're very encouraged by that. I mean, we're daunted by that because we want to make sure we serve them well. Um, but that's the, the kind of growth and change we're seeing already. Well, that is exciting and, and certainly keep us posted on all of that, Dave. Looking forward to the updates. So you've shared a lot of wonderful insights and content and information about where you are with Health Rosetta and what you've created. But let's also now turn to the community and have them uh, share with you some of the things they may be able to help with. So can you share with our community, Dave, one problem, need, or question that you currently have that our community can be helping you with? It's really simple. We need you. Every one of you is working for a company on a board of a you know, school board, and it is just grassroots. What we see and, you know, it's interesting, you know, you being in Denver, you're on the cusp of this. We've seen this happen in places in Texas where when you have three employers, you know, or three unions um, take this approach, nobody notices. You're building a little track record in that locale. And then, you know, multiply by three. It's kind of rule of threes. When you get to nine, people start to notice. Some of the provider organizations start to change some of the, you know, they'll do some direct contracts. They start to change some process. When you get to 27, it's game over. You look at places like Tyler, Texas. Like, I didn't heard of Tyler, Texas until a couple of years ago. The word is out. And so all the things that we all want, right, that have been kind of frustrated, why isn't this great technology being adopted earlier? I mean, I had my previous startup, I mean, we were a success. But I was still frustrated. You know, we ultimately got acquired by WebMD, but we're like, gosh, this stuff should just be taking off. Well, once it will take off once you get the right alignment. And so that's where your influence with your employer, with your, you know, mayor, with your city council, you all have influence and say, gosh, would you like to spend 20, 40% less and provide better benefits and really? You know, I talk about his economic development 3.0, playing the health card. It's a whole new way of thinking about um, how companies and communities build resilience. And so it's really on all of you. It's not, you know, it's great if, you know, we were raising money and if one venture capitalist could, could uh, you know, respond. But this is really everybody. It's all on us. We should know by now that the cavalry is not coming from D.C. We've had both parties in full control. I don't think anybody's under an illusion that healthcare is fixed, but this is one of those bottom bottom up things like, um, you know, local food, local retail, the shop local, and it's sort of like shop local comes to healthcare. So that's the big thing is is look in the mirror. You have influence. You may be an employer yourself. We only have seven people, you know, in our organization, and we're doing this. So it doesn't matter how small you are, or how big you are, you can do it. Well, thank you for that call to arms, Dave. I, I do appreciate it. And I know uh, many listening in will certainly uh, hear the call to arms and take it very seriously. So thank you for that, Dave. How do we get in contact with you? Share with our community some contact points, social media, websites, or otherwise, where can we get a hold of you? Yeah. So, you know, healthrosetta.org on social media, I'm pretty much at Chase Dave on everything. 
You can email me, Dave at healthrosetta.org. Um, you know, I'm not the Sopranos producer, um, but uh, it's pretty easy to find me otherwise. And, and actually, I think I've got him uh, one up on uh, on the Google front. So I'm very accessible. Love hearing from folks, and uh, particularly love hearing about successes. I mean, I just heard one not far from you. I don't, you know, Bennett, Colorado, small town, you know, east of of Denver. Uh, very small school district. I think they're the only school district in the region that's been able to give teachers raises because they got their health care costs under control by doing these type of things. And so it's really fun to see that. Um, teachers deserve to get paid well. Um, and they're like all of us that, you know, are in the, the middle class that have had a lot of our wages essentially stolen by kind of an how to control healthcare system. Well, thanks for sharing that uh, story as well. And then, of course, the contact points so others can share successes in their communities across the nation as well. And we'll also leave those contact points for Dave and the Health Rosetta team over at PassionatePioneers.com, our free global online community. All right, Dave, it's time to take it home. One of my favorite uh, segments of the episode uh, is a fill in the blank. And here it is. I'm a passionate pioneer because... I recognize that grassroots movements are the only way big change happens. And it's usually a 10 to 30 year journey. And I can relentlessly take punches without getting discouraged. I love it. And that is so true. I know we cannot keep Dave on the mat very long. So thank you for that. Thank you for the inspiration, Dave. And most importantly, thank you for joining us today and sharing your story and your truth and the mission that you're on at Health Rosetta. I'm grateful to be able to call you a friend, a peer, a colleague, and I'm so thankful for all that you're doing for so many of us across the nation. Keep up the great work. Uh, Keep us updated on how our community can be helping you in the Health Rosetta ecosystem. Dave, thank you for being with us today. My absolute pleasure and love what you guys are doing and look forward to a lot of collaboration in the future. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode. 